Now, as, as most of you know, we were, <laughs> when, we, when I closed out in May, we were studying the life of Moses, and I think we finished chapter 4 um, in Moses, and I, I think that's taken us two years. I, it's either two years or one year, I don't know. But uh, uh, the reason that things go so slowly around here is because of things that, like I'm about to do right now. Uh, I'm about to set aside <laughs> the life of Moses, and we're going to do something else. <clears throat> and I, and I'll, I'll explain as we go, but... Guys, it just, it's just something that the Lord, um, uh, that I discovered in God's Word, uh, when I say discovered, that's not the right word, when, that, that came to light in my own soul this summer, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, it started out being a, a, a one Wednesday night lesson, and then it went to three, and then it went to five, and now it's somewhere around eight. So um, uh, bear with me. And let me, uh, tonight I want you to, I mean, I, I want to look at a text with you in Matthew 6, but this is not our text. I mean, this is not the text that's going to be forefront in our discussions in these next few weeks. But it is an intro. It is an introduction to what, what I want to do in those, these coming weeks. And I'll, I'll try to leave you at least with a bit of, <clears throat> pardon me, interu- uh, introduction about what we are going to do. But to do that, I want to start with Matthew chapter 6 with a fairly cryptic couple of verses of Scripture. When I say cryptic, they're, they're, um, I, I, I know you've read them, I know you've seen them, and I, know you, I, and I wonder if you've ever wondered, I wonder what that means, I don't understand that right there, you know, I, what is that, what are you saying right there? Well, I want to draw your attention to it, I think I have drawn your attention to this passage before, but once we get this introduction done and set aside... Um, we're going to take off in a brand new direction, and I'll, I'll tell you that as we close. Um, but, but let me read you just two verses in Matthew 6, verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad... Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, though, how great is the darkness. So ladies and gentlemen, we are confronted with this issue. What on earth is the eye? Mentioned three times there, you know, I tried to emphasize them. What is he talking about? The eye is the lamp of the body, you know, the body, the body, you know, if it's bad, you know, what is this? What's going on here? Well, folks, um, I hope that you will notice right off the bat uh, in the first uh, seven words, eight words, that Jesus is giving us an analogy. He is saying the eye equals the lamp. Um, the lamp of the body. Gang, uh, you might call it a metaphor if you like. You might even call it parabolic language. Jesus tells lots of parables. This is not a parable. But he does use parabolic language quite frequently. And this is parabolic language. That is, um, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, gang, stop right there. Um... The eye is the lamp of the body. Well, what is the eye? Well, this much we can say that it isn't, or at least we can say that he's not doing. 
He is not speaking literally here. This is metaphoric. It is analogous language. It is parabolic language. Um, so we're not to be, it's not talking about eyesight or one's vision physically. I mean, the eye is not the lamp of the body. I mean, the, lie, the eye doesn't give any light to my pancreas. But he's speaking in a metaphoric uh, sense. And so our challenge is to figure out what that is. But this much else we can also say about what uh, this, this little analogy here is that in the, lie, in the eye, light is let in. Um, light is brought in to the inner man, to the inner life. It is through this eye that light gets in and permeates my body. Now, if I have a healthy one of those things, the eye, um, then... That's good. But if I don't have a good one of those things, oh my. Um, I am full of darkness. Nobody wants to be full of darkness, do you? (laughs) I certainly hope not. Darkness in the scriptures is always implying some kind of uh, ethical or moral failing. So it's through this I, that I either have light on the inside or darkness on the inside. And, and, and interestingly, there's only two options. Either I got a good eye or I got a bad eye. I got a good eye, let's light in, or I got a bad eye, let's darkness in. Either I got the bad eye and I'm dark, or I've got a good eye and I'm light. So, that means this is pretty important. Um, because I want, I don't want darkness on the inside. But you know, it, it, have you ever read? I mean, you remember that that statement that Jesus makes? Why when they're arresting him, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, here it is, and he says, um, he's he's talking to the Judas and the people who are arresting. Him. He says, "When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness." That moment when Jesus is getting arrested by the, uh, by the powers that be. That was an hour of darkness. And if you've got a bad eye, you've got some of that darkness in you. Not good. So, dead gummit, what then is this eye? That lets light in. And that's what I want. <laughs> and I want light inside. I don't want darkness. What's the eye? You know, my, my buddy, um, John Piper, he, he uh, uses this, this sentence a lot. He says, I take this to mean. <laughs> and then he tells you what he thinks is being said. So I want to I tell you what I think this is. And I take this to mean. That is, the eye is the way that you see things. 
um, it's one's lens through which you evaluate things that confront you. It is, um, it is similar to one's value system, we'll say, or his perspective on things. It's a spiritually healthy way of looking at things. That's what the eye is. It's a spiritually healthy way of looking at things. The eye controls us because one's whole life will be determined by the kind of light that gets in through the eye to the inner man. So, how do I view things? What is a spiritually healthy way to view things? And if that's true, then how do I get that? How do I get that eye that's a spiritually healthy way of viewing things? But let me remind you, according to this text, verse 23, if you don't get it, you're just full of darkness. That's all I got in me is darkness. Oh, and Jesus says, how great. How consequential. How really bad is that darkness? So let me go back. All right, if the eye is my way of viewing, way of seeing, the, a spiritually healthy way of looking at things, how do I get that? How do I get one of those things? How do I get the eye. How do I get it? Well, the, the Bible tells us a little bit. Um, and what we're going to do for the next few weeks is going to tell you a whole lot more, I hope. But um, for instance, uh, this is found in Psalm 13.3. Psalm 13.3 says, uh, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Do you see there? Oh, if you don't get your lights lighted up, then because of all that darkness, you're going to sleep the sleep of death. You don't want that. So, God, oh God, would you light up my eyes? Guys, um, I don't know what your translation says. It says a healthy eye. And then it says a bad eye. The Greek word for bad is poneros, which is the word for evil. In fact, if you've got a King James Bible in your lap, that's the way the King James translates that word poneros, with the word evil. There is the good eye, the healthy eye, and then there is the bad eye, or rightly translated, I think the King James is rightly translated, it's the evil eye. And um, if you don't get the lights lighted up through the eye, then the, um, then the evil eye will uh, lead you to die the death of death. 
So what I'm saying is, one of the things that the psalmist does here is, oh, God, consider me and answer me, oh, Lord, my God. <laughs> Light up my eyes. So the first way that you get it is ask him. You pray. God, give me a healthy eye. That's the first thing. Here's another statement. This is found in um, uh, Psalm 19, verse 8, the second portion of it. Um, the, the text says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord. Oh, they're, they're pure. So one of the things is one of the things that's going to affect the way I view all of life is the commandments that I obey. So another way to affect and develop a good eye is to obey because the commandments are pure. And then in, in Psalm 119, there's, there's a couple of statements in Psalm 119, you know, that real long one. Um, and, and one of the statements you know, I, I know you've heard this one before, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It doesn't use the word I, but it does use the word lamp, and it does use the word light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So one of the ways that I can develop this eye that looks at things in a healthy way is by yielding myself and submitting myself to the words that I find here. Here's another statement found in that same psalm. This is Psalm 119.130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Oh, I, I, I get in this, these words. I uh, have them unfolded for me. And uh, I get light. And I, uh, I, I move from the, the, the posture of a fool and a simpleton to the, to the role or to the position of wise. So ladies and gentlemen, let me sum that up real quick. Um, 13.3, I ask for it. That is, I ask for a, an eye that is, that, that is letting in good light. I obey because the commandments of the Lord are pure and those enlighten the eyes. So the more I, um, the more I obey, the more light comes in. And then thirdly and fourthly, your word is a lamp unto my feet. The thing that lightens up the next step that I'm supposed to take and gives me a, 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 a shot at making a good decision is knowledge of his words. So we pray for it, we obey him, and we uh, uh, inculcate more and more of his word into our souls. Well, gosh, Jimmy, I knew you were going to say that. That's what you say every time. You say that's, uh, you, you, um, that's, that's, just, uh, that's just elementary stuff. Really? Then tell me, are you doing it? If it's so blasted elementary, then are you doing it? Ladies and gentlemen, you tell me this. How can it be determined that 70% of the professing evangelical world does not believe in absolute truths? 
or that it's not believed truth is absolute. How can 70% of the evangelical world have such a notion? Well, this is awfully elementary here, Jimmy. You know, I wish you'd give me something really profound. Well, I just did. And we ain't doing that. If it's so simple, when's the last time you asked for it? When is the last time you chose to obey because you knew that his commandments are pure and they lighten up my eyes? When is the last time that you sought his words over trying to come to a definition or a value? Tell me, who are you listening to when it comes to your value system and definitions and perspectives? Seven out of ten professing believers don't believe that there's absolutes. Where did they get that? Not out of here. It's full of absolutes. Shall we go through a few? Well, I mean, I really, I really expected you to give me something, you know, really, uh, you know, tell me, tell me something really great to do, and then I'll go do it and get myself a uh, right eye. No. No, just beg God to give you more. And then choose to obey because you know that it lightens the eyes. And then immerse yourself in this book so that it can be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path and give you understanding. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are getting that information from elsewhere, you're full of darkness. book of Ecclesiastes has a, you know, Ecclesiastes, the book that none of us understand, including me. But it's got this funny statement. I mean, go check this out later on. I mean, it's, it's Ecclesiastes 2.14. <laughs> and Solomon says this, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head. Well, where else would they be? But that's not what, the Sol- what Solomon is talking about. He's talking about a set of eyes that are in the right place, seeing the right things through the right sets of, sets of lenses because he's got a healthy eye right there in the head. But the fool, the fool walks in darkness and comes up with all of these definitions and all of these positions that don't have one thing to do with the words that are found in here. I mean, I, let me just give you a, a simple capital punishment. Ladies and gentlemen, why is that even a discussion among us? i tell you what you do. You want a position on capital punishment? Why don't you study God's word and see what you find? And then you can form your opinion based on an eye that has been instructed by the words that give light into our path. Instead of spouting this stuff that you got from CNN, I guess, which does nothing but fill the body with darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to, 
but we could go over how many social issues right now that Christians are just, they don't have the slightest notion. They're filled with darkness. They live in the land of fools. Well, that's awfully elementary. Yeah, I guess it is. Then why don't you do it? <clears throat> I got to close. Or at least <clears throat> move closer to closing. I want to read you this out of Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. The commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And then God reproves when we err and disciplines us. And that is a way of life. Well, you know, I don't like that reproof stuff, Jimmy. I don't like that, uh, you know, that discipline stuff. You know, I think God wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he wants you to be holy. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, how much study of this book do you have to do to know that it doesn't say anything about God wanting to make you happy? You know, I'm in an unhappy marriage, you know, and I, and I need to, God wants me to be happy. What kind of fool are you? Where did you get that? You're full of darkness, not light. You don't have a bad eye. You got an evil eye. You got a ponderous eye. Guys, when the eye that is spoken about in Matthew 6, when that eye is trained by the commandments and by the statutes and testimonies and everything else, um, you view everything differently. You react differently. You evaluate differently. And most importantly, you live differently. But you got to have a healthy eye. You got to have a healthy way of looking at all of life. A couple more things and I'm done. I want to read you this quote. This is from C.S. Lewis. And this is wonderful. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not, because, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I believe in Christianity like I believe the sun has rose, has risen. Not because I see it, but because by it, 
I see everything else. What does the eye give you? It gives you a way of seeing everything else. And seeing it in a way that is consistent with the mind and the heart and the will and the affections of God. And until you're there, ladies and gentlemen, we're in darkness. Kind of sort of figuring this thing out as we go, you know. And uh, let, me, let me talk to my, uh, my friends down at the locker room and maybe they can tell me what to do about my bad marriage or my finances or whatever. No, ladies and gentlemen. They will only give you an evil eye. And by it, you will be full of darkness. And so you will evaluate. You will uh, ascertain. You will, you will have a perspective that's all whopper-jawed. You'll see with a double vision. You have a spiritual astigmatism. But once I gain this eye, it's the thing that allows me to view everything else rightly. The eye is a lamp. It turns on light inside me. And I get that eye by asking God for it, by obeying what I know to obey and then immersing myself in his words. And the eye begins to see things more clearly. Now guys, the next few weeks, I'm going to tell you a little bit, not everything, but a little bit about what that eye includes. I think you know that one of my joys, and my wife will tell you this, one of my joys is that I get up fairly early. I get myself a cup of coffee with my French press. Mm. Um, and I go get in a rocking chair that Sam and Millie gave me. And um, it is me, God, and a cup of coffee. And this summer, I came upon, and I've come upon it a dozen times before. Proverbs chapter 3. Does this ring a bell? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. and He will direct your path. Well, that's in this passage. But it doesn't start the passage. So what I'm calling it is a Christian mindset. This is how we're supposed to think. And so it is through this passage what I, that I hope to shape everybody's eyes so that we can be filled with light. In that darkness. Our Father, would you help us to 
get to that place where we are thinking your thoughts after you. Where we are discovering how it is that we as sons and daughters of yours are supposed to think. How we're supposed to view things. And would you bring us into conformity with this and not ask this to get into conformity with us. Thank you for the privilege of being able to sit underneath this portion of your word, nine verses, with people I love, and people with whom I share so much of life. People with whom there is a commonality in Christ. All of us want to know what is a biblical Christian mindset. So take this passage, O oh God, and press it down deep into the inner man such that we might not soon get over the precepts that we find here. We look forward to getting started on it. Would you help us understand it aright? We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.